Welcome to the Live Your Legacy podcast. I'm your host, Eric Kelly, and I believe we each make a meaningful contribution by sharing our own unique gifts and talents. I'm excited you're here. Andy Diaz, welcome. I'm excited to, excited to be together today. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Eric. Thank you for having me here. My pleasure, man. So I'm re- I'm really excited for this conversation because, um, well, one, I think you've had an amazing journey. I think you have an amazing story, and I'm excited for people to hear that. But I also have great respect and admiration for you and how you took a an idea that you had and something that was important to you personally and and acted on inspiration and what was in your heart and, and created something amazing. So we're going to talk about that, too. Let's do it. Yeah. So uh, talk to us a little bit about... Um, your your early life for those of the that don't know you um uh, you know you're you're doing amazing things in the world now that we'll get to but you start out early in life and um you know talk about those <coughs> growing up and um and you also served our country in, in the navy so thank you for for your service and for for honoring and protecting our freedom mm-hmm. it's an honor i will do it all over again uh well well it is and we're honored uh you know we're honored to have you and salute you for for the contribution so talk a little bit about early life and uh and what that was like for you and and uh starting out in the states oh man i was born in santiago dominican republic and i remember being six years old on an air um, on an airport uh going on a plane for the first time and landing in new york city it was 1992 july 4th and I remember getting to New York and, and seeing all the fireworks on the street. You know, back then it was legal for them to do fireworks on the street. So I was really stunned. I was, you know, my little kid inside of me, I was like, you know, um, what did I get myself into? You know, what do we get ourselves into? What is this? So it was a completely culture shock. Yeah. Um, come from, you know, a Caribbean island to the big city, you know, in Manhattan, out of all places, uptown Manhattan. I grew up in Washington Heights. And so, yeah, it was intimidating at first. You know, I had to learn a new language. My native language was Spanish. Um, but moving to Washington Heights helped out a little bit because it's a Spanish neighborhood. Yeah. So all the classes were in Spanish. All the lessons were in Spanish. For except one class, which was ESL, English is a second language. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What took your family to New York City from the Dominican Republic? I think it's a story of a lot of uh, immigrants that come to this country. I'm um, looking for a better future. We already have family that resided in New York. And so we already had a foundation there. My mom was one of the last siblings to come from my um, grandmother's side. So we reunited with all our family that were already living there. Um, and, you know, like everybody else, we were in search of more opportunities. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. And what was growing up like? Uh, for you in the city, uh, you know, once you started to learn English and in, get ingrained in the culture a little bit, uh, you mentioned you had a lot of family there. I know that's important to you. Yeah, it was it was beautiful, but it was also rough. You know, New York City is not a forgiving place. You know, and so you come from a village in the Dominican Republic from the countryside, and um, all of a sudden you're surrounded by gangsters and drug dealers. And, you know, rough neighborhoods. Um, it was definitely 
Uh, it builds character, um, to say the least, you know. But I also had great times uh, spending time with family. Um, we used to get together almost every weekend, you know, we'll cook, dance, you know, that's part of our culture, you know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I now that I look back at it, I'm happy that I grew up that way because it made me the person who I am today. Yes. How did you avoid getting pulled in by some of those dark influences growing up in an environment like that? Uh, some love. Um, having God in my, um, God on my side because growing up, that's all you know, that's all you see. And, you know, we know that you're a product of your environment. You know, a lot of times being a kid and not knowing any better, you want to be, you know, partake in some of those activities. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, and then not being at the right place sometimes at the right time, you know, being able to avoid some of those friendships that people that you interact with, um, you know, just being lucky and avoiding that. And I feel like I had angels and God on my side because a lot of my friends didn't make it out. You know, some of them went to jail. Some of them, you know, got stuck in that, in that neighborhood. Uh, some people got deported back to the Dominican Republic or other, or other countries. So I'm, I'm lucky and I'm blessed you know, to be where I'm at today. Yes. Yeah. Amen. What, uh, as you progress through <coughs> school and high school, um, you know, what was, what were those experiences like and what kind of inspired you to join the Navy as you, as you came out of your schooling years? Man, all the way through high school until I was about 23, I lived in New York City. I lived in Queens, outside Manhattan. Uh, different boroughs. I was on my own. I was working. Um, I was going to school on my own, going to college. I was studying um, entertainment technology. It was basically to work in theaters and in the in the art world, um, sound systems and all that good stuff. Um, but then I saw my my colleagues that I was going to school with, and and they were getting you know these jobs, you know, working behind stage, working thirteen, fourteen hours a day. You know, sometimes, you know, being paid minimum wage. And I'm like, well, is it worth getting a degree in this career? And, you know, and what I'm doing worth going through all the sacrifice. Do I really love this that much, you know, to take a job working 14 hours a day and make a minimum wage? Just say I want to be in the art world. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I started questioning, you know, what I really wanted to do. And at that point, I was a little bit frustrated you know, with the city, you know, working a full-time job, going to school and still, you know, trying to make ends meet. So, you know, I said, you know, fuck it, you know, let me um do something different. And I just went to the Navy recruiting office and I was 23 years old and I told them, sign me up, you know, like, do you want to find out more about it? You know, the recruiter asked me or look at the, benefits that we have to offer i told them i already looked them up you know i know what you guys are about just send me you know sign me up you know it can't get no more worse than you know trying to make it in new york city it's a rough it's a tough city yeah so you so, saw the Navy as a as a way out and a way to better yourself yeah yeah and i, I was also after 9 11 you know we i, I was there when the towers fell you know, always had that that in the back of my mind, you know, always to go serve and go serve this country. 
um, because it gave us a lot of great benefits when we came here. Yeah. You know, um, there's a lot of opportunities, you know, and thought about going, joining the Navy and do at least four years, you know, and see what it's about, learn a new career, meet new people, you know, go and travel the world. That all sounded really good to me at that time. And I went on and did nine years. Yeah, you served for nine years. Yeah. How many places did you visit around the world during that time? Man, I have visited over 20 countries. Went all over Europe, um, Africa, um, northern, the Arctic Circle. You know, seen the northern lights, a lot of cool stuff. So it's been a blessing. It's, you know, a lot of hard work, but a lot of blessings, a lot of great things we have in our life come with hard work. And, that is and true. tribulations. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Did you have one experience or, or destination that really stood out over the course of your travels? I love Spain. Mm. I love the way they live life over there. You know, they take a siesta after they eat around noon and all the shops close. And I thought to myself, I'm like, man, this is a unique way to live life, you know, not constantly being on the go, you know, just running around on the treadmill, you know, trying to get to the next goal or the next thing, you know, sometimes to just take time out the day to just chill and relax. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. So they didn't let you have a siesta after you ate in the middle of the day in the Navy then? Oh, no, the Navy is go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I can only imagine. Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. So ultimately, through your service in the Navy, though, you wound up in San Diego, California, which is where you and I got acquainted. And uh, how long have you been there now? Yeah, so coming to San Diego, I was very purposeful about that. You know, I was, my first reenlistment, I was, it was, I signed up for five years. And my last year, I told him, well, I'll reenlist for another four if you send me to San Diego. And so that's what happened. You know, they cut me orders to San Diego, and I reenlisted for another four years for those orders. And so that's how I ended up in San Diego. Um, and then when I came here, you know, I'd never been to San Diego before, but my suspicions were correct. You know, it was a, a really nice city, pretty awesome, if you ask me. And yeah. I loved it here. The weather the people and i saw it as a great place to start my career my next step as an entrepreneur it just had that entrepreneur spirit in the city with perfect weather i mean it was i was like this is it this is home yeah and, and yeah so your uh, your acquaintance with san diego had only been from afar like you just read about it and seen it and 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 heard about what it was like but you'd never actually visited before you you got your orders to go there yeah, I don't think I've I've seen or read about San Diego. I just heard about it from other Navy people because it's this is the second um biggest naval base in, in the US continental. Um so I didn't know anything about San Diego. It just sounded like a great place out west. Yeah. And I like to venture out. Yeah. What a great leap of faith. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. I like to live my yeah, I like to live my life um based on faith. Absolutely. 
So then you, um, as you were transitioning out of the Navy, uh, you were building a real estate career. You've had a highly successful real estate career in San Diego. Let's talk a little bit about that and what attracted you to that profession. I bought my first house in Jacksonville, Florida when I was stationed there. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was single at that time. And I rented out all the rooms to my other uh, shipmates on the boat. And I yeah. thought, man, what a great industry this is. I have this house. I'm not paying for the rent or the, the mortgage. Um, I want to do more of this. You know, how do I do more of this? Let me, I want to get my license, but I'm going to wait until I get to San Diego. And within a year of moving here, I was already a licensed real estate agent. So I started selling real estate while I was active duty in the Navy. That's awesome. Yeah. So you were living a both hand existence and uh, had a very full schedule at that point, I'm sure. Yeah, it was. I mean, I didn't close my first deal until six to eight months after I got licensed. And and this was me working it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it took me a while to get going. But once I started going, I still had a few years remaining in my uh, Navy contract. So it gave me that time while I was receiving a paycheck to get my feet settled in that industry, in that world. Yeah. Yeah. What a great thing to have a, a runway and have some added stability as you as you really build a new career and, and uh, business around that. Yeah. And so that's been almost the story of my life. I like to set myself up while I'm already doing something that, that works. Uh-huh. So if I know what I want to do next, you know, I start working on that little by little, you know, while I'm working on the thing that's already wor- is working for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's how the Art of Cigar came about, you know, starting a cigar company. Well, I was going to say I witnessed that firsthand because uh, one of the first times, I mean, not long after you and I were acquainted, we were having a conversation about vision. And and things that you ultimately wanted to create in your life. And I remember you describing in, in detail your vision for creating a cigar company. So why don't you share that story with with our listeners and how that came about and and uh, what you're up to with it now? Yeah, so I met Luis here in San Diego at another cigar lounge. He was rolling cigars and we end up happening to be from the same city in Dominican Republic from Santiago, Incredible. which is the capital. It's the capital of cigars in our country and, you know, for probably the world. Um, and we met Luis there. We had a connection. We connected. What a great industry, you know, cigars. It's handmade, handcrafted. And later on, I found out that my family was involved in the cigar world. So, you know, it was, also, it was almost like a calling, you know, to get involved in the industry. And little by little, I started you know, thinking and detailing the plans of how I would like it to look or what what would a successful cigar company look like. And so me and Luis partnered up after four or five years of knowing each other to create this company, The Art of Cigar, which we make cigars on the spot, literally, as he's doing it right now. You see them? Luis, hello, my friend. (laughs) He's making cigars right now. And so this is what we... This is what we do. We make cigars and we make them, you know, mostly using tobacco from Dominican Republic. And then we blend it in from tobacco from Nicaragua, Ecuador, um, Pennsylvania, 
Connecticut, different, you know, different tobaccos from all over the world to create unique blends. And so this is what we do. And so we create our own brand, Don Luis, mm-hmm. which is giving honor to the rollers that have never received it before. So we're going to change the game and we're going to give all the honors and and all the medals to the people who actually work with their hands and their souls making the product that everybody enjoys. Mm. So we're bringing it back close to home and honoring them and creating other brands for other people that want to get involved in the industry or want to make their own cigars. We make their own brand because we're blenders. You know, we basically take all these leaves and create a blend for them or for us for the process. I, I think that's so cool. And I love what you said about honoring the people, you know, that are actually producing the product. It it kind of reminds me of, you know, f- well, first of all, there's so much that goes into crafting a good cigar. Very similar, I think, to the wine industry, where the blend of the grapes and, and the different flavorings and things like that are are expertly combined uh, to create a certain flavor and create a certain experience. And uh, you guys have done a masterful job of that and uh and creating that with both your brand and i love that you're that you're tailoring it to other people uh that want the opportunity to uh you know to create their own brand of cigar or their own signature cigar correct we want to bridge the gap between the cigar lovers and the enthusiasts the people who really enjoy cigars and introduce them to the rollers and the makers you know, and then have that connection and connect that market so that they're able to have more of a feel of what a cigar is, a true quality premium cigar is, and they yeah. feel like they're part of it. Yeah, I love that. I love the personalization and um, and just how intentional that you and Luis have been um, about not only the product that you produce, but the people that are involved in the process. Of course, because it's, it's, they're the ones that made it, you know, and Luis has been doing it for four generations. Yeah. You know, so, so why does, you know, these generations of people that work in this art, you know, why don't we hear from them? You know, so we want to bring those stories out to the light, out to the public. You know, a, a lot of companies keep them hidden because they don't want you to know who the source is. Uh-huh. So they can monetize it. You know, here we have ownership. We're all part owners, you know, we're changing the game and now everyone is going to be able to see who the makers are and we'll put them in the public and they could talk to them and feel them and, you know, and write to them and, you know, basically create a, a network of people who are in the industry to be able to connect with each other and talk about each other and, and talk about the process of making cigars, you know, hand on from the, from the source. Yes. Well, you're. I think you're building community in in a different way too, because my um, limited exposure to the cigar industry, just being around people that enjoy cigars, has been that they kind of favor a certain brand or or another brand, but they don't really have a personal relationship with the production of or the process of of creating the cigar. So I think that what you're doing is very distinctive, and not only honors the the art of it and the craftsman. Um, but also creates a, a very different and unique experience for the end user. Of course. So these cigars are made here in the U.S. 
They're made in the USA. Most of the leaves are imported from Dominican Republic. And then within those leaves, there are leaves from all over the world um, that we have here in our factory. So people can come here to the Art of Cigar in San Diego and watch this process being done, you know, live, like right now. Yeah, that's so cool. Like we just saw, for, for anybody that's listening and not watching on video, we we did a pan shot to Luis, who's in, in the shop today and hand rolling uh, as we speak, which is super cool. Um, and it's amazing experience to see him uh, really as an artist at work in, in doing that live. It's an incredible experience. Yeah, we're we're happy to bring that to life and to share with other people. So when you talk about the uh, like your ultimate vision for the cigar company, you've shared a lot about the mission and, and kind of the meaning behind it for you. You know, where do you see this going and what is it that you ultimately uh, aspire to create through Art of Cigar? Yeah, so we are a boutique brand and we want to expand to all the 50 states, then eventually to Europe. We want to expand worldwide. But we want to do it in a way where we preserve the quality and the craftsmanship of what a cigar is, mm -hmm. you know? And so you ask yourself, how do you do that? You know, because all big companies, they usually have uh, a, a, a process they go through in order to mass produce cigars. And we want to be able to do it maybe if it's, you know, in limited quantities or if it's through a membership, but to still be able to offer that special craftsmanship, you know, that special um, premium handmade cigar at a mass market, you know, we want to do it in a way where we preserve the quality of making a cigar. And so we see this company, you know, going all over the world while at the same time preserving, you know, the craftsmanship. And that's our challenge. And that's what, you know, we're figuring out with our next steps. Yes, it is. Uh, that's definitely a big challenge, I think, in any business is preserving quality as you scale and grow. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, how does this fit into um, your personal priorities when you think about what's most meaningful to you and what you want to accomplish uh, in your own life? So I feel that we have a responsibilities as human beings, to our ancestors, to our families, um, to do our best every day, to take chances, to seek opportunities, um, because they're not here. A lot of ancestors are not here at this moment. And so their time is, is done and they did what they could for us. And I feel like now is our time to do for the next generation and to do for our generation and to do it for the past generation that came before us, to give it all we have. And so I don't know how to live life any other way. You know, I am a risk taker. I live by faith. And so I feel that my responsibility is to do the best that I can every single day to keep this mission, to keep what we're doing going, and to take it to the next level, to set up the next generation, you know, and do things that, Maybe the past generation didn't do for us, like set trust accounts, you know, and invest in our future, you know, mm -hmm. which is not what we're doing for our kids. Um, and so we want to make sure that we're doing the work today 
that enhances the work that was done before us and it makes it better for the work that is going to be done tomorrow. Mm. What a beautiful perspective on that, Indy. I, I love that. I love the spirit of, of what you're creating and how you're approaching life. So as you know, the theme of the show is live your legacy. You're certainly somebody that that I see doing that in your approach to life and the choices that you've made and, and how intentional you are about living. Um, when you think about your personal legacy, what are the things that are most important to you? Family. Um, business, family, and, you know, leaving the world a better place than when we came to found it, than we came to the world. Yes. And that might not be a big thing. It might not change the whole world. But if we could change the lives of one or two people, you know, then those people are empowered to change the life of another one or two people. And the domino effect keeps going down. So I would like my legacy for it to be, you know, bringing goodness and changing for the better, you know, to our world and contributing, you know, like I mentioned before, to the work that was done before us and the work that is going to be done tomorrow. Yes. Well, you're certainly doing that uh, and, and providing a living example for all of us to follow and in doing so. So I appreciate that about you, brother. It's been an honor to have you on uh, the show and to have this conversation. And uh, I'm excited to see your your continued growth and the evolution of Art of Cigar and uh, and just all that you are contributing to the world. So thank you. Well, thank you, brother. Thank you for having me here for doing this podcast. I love you very much. I love um, you too. It's an honor. Um, I always appreciate the conversations we have. And I appreciate the legacy that you're leaving in this world. And this is just a a very small example of the work that you're doing. So thank you. My pleasure. Truly my honor, brother. I appreciate you. Thanks for joining us. And if today's show resonated with you, make sure you share it with someone you know and subscribe so you'll be the first to know when we drop the next episode. And if you know someone you think would make a great guest on the Live Your Legacy podcast, please reach out to us and get us connected. 